When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I have a number of different, uh, very good pieces of journalism in front of me. I'm just going to touch on a couple very briefly and then get into the guts of this thing. Uh, The first is a piece written by a fellow by the name of Jonathan Rauch, who's a gay man who's uh, who has a very close friend who is a trans woman. And they are discussing the modern state of extremist transgender activism. Um, And and this trans woman who the article doesn't reveal that she is until after she says these things. But I thought you should know in advance. uh, She thinks trans women are different from women born as women, and should be called trans women, not women. The distinction, she says, is important in fields where sex matters, like medicine, and also recognizes the unique challenges of being transgender. I want discrimination in the sense of making precise distinctions. The trans women or women thing drives me batty. Beyond the biological silliness, it suggests that being trans somehow isn't legit. It's a form of erasure. I don't get to say I'm trans. And uh, the gender ideologues who claim to speak for transgender equality do not speak for her. Quote, I lament that a small number of activists appear to want to use these issues in service of a larger social and political agenda. Mm. Their fight is not my fight. I do not wish to be a tool of revolutionaries or a target for reactionaries. And I detest their wish to tear the fabric of Western liberalism to shreds. Interesting. It is interesting. That is a courageous and intelligent person who understands what's happening. A lot of these divisions and and radical stances are meant to divide society, children from parents, and, and meant to usher in a different revolution. Then there's this article, this uh, piece, that I found incredibly interesting and moving. It's by um, a, a, a young person, a young woman, who goes into a great description, a long description of her childhood and adolescence full of depression and anxiety, alienation, eating disorders, generally being a very, very unhappy young person. 
And she, like a lot of people who answer that description, and and older folks, you can't relate to this, the younger people are going to be nodding their heads, she ended up spending a tremendous amount of time on Tumblr, which is a uh, it's a communications platform online. God, there's it's, too many of those. Yeah, I know. There are too I, many of those. And, um, and she talks about how it became a surrogate uh, uh, friend group, uh, support circle, that sort of thing. Major aspect of Tumblr culture, she writes, has always been social justice ideology. Things that are now being played out and witnessed by the general public on platforms like Twitter and TikTok, um, like, uh, you know, everything from uh, demisexuals. Then she uses a bunch of terms I've never heard in my demisexual life. Demisexual I like, because that's the one of I only have sex with people that I uh, have a, a affection for. Sure, that I, that sure. I have a relationship with, which is what they used to call normal, normal. But everything you see, like dissociative identity disorder, LARPers, neo-pronouns, otherkin, and everything you see on libs of TikTok has long existed uh, on Tumblr.com. The oppression hierarchy of racial and gender identity is now being written into law in many of our once serious nations. Uh, was the state religion of the People's Republic of Tumblr long before your political junkie uncle knew the term CRT? As cultish religions tend to operate, open devotion to the religion is mandatory. Um uh, perhaps the outsiders most likely to understand the way social dynamics worked on that website would be survivors of Scientology, for instance. On Tumblr, the situation was such that any claim to being oppressed would accumulate social credibility, while any unfortunate privilege status was justification for verbal abuse. As a privileged person, you were expected to constantly grovel and apologize. You had no right to speak on any issue involving the group you were oppressing. You could not object in any way to any mistreatment hurled against you because of of your race, gender, or sexuality. I found myself in a bit of a double bind. On one hand, I had found what felt like to be the perfect group of friends who understood me on an intuitive level, who I was able to talk to openly about the things I liked and made me weird in real life. But on the other hand, I was a cishet white girl in an environment where that was one of the worst things to be. Cishet, that's what I am. Since Tumblr users are mostly biological females, the cishet white girl holds the position of most privileged and therefore most inherently bad group. In this climate, you're made to feel guilty and responsible for all the horrors and atrocities in the world. You can try to make me feel guilty, but it's not going to get you very far. Well, right, exactly. But this is a confused and unhappy adolescent girl. Right. Okay? Getting hammered and hammered and hammered about how she and people like her are the source of all evil in the world. God, it's, it's, it's interesting. I realize this is a tangent, but if you're not on that particular social media thing, you know, it's a tree falling in the forest. How about you just hang out somewhere else? Right. Stop hanging out where people treat you like that. Yeah, uh, oh, absolutely true. Although, again, she said this was a group that seemed to understand her and right. her weirdness. And having coached three children through adolescence and the teen years through college into adulthood, um, adult, especially confident adult males, it's very difficult to to picture that. Um But then she goes into, it's understandable that any young person exposed to this kind of belief system would grow to deeply resent being white, cis, straight, or biologically male. The beauty of gender ideology is it provides a way to game this system so that you can get some of those targets off your back and enjoy the camaraderie of like-minded youths. You can't change your race. Pretending to have a different sexuality would be very uncomfortable in practice, but you can absolutely change your gender, and it's as easy as putting a 
she, they in your bio. Mm. Instantly, you're transformed from an oppressing, entitled, evil, bigoted, selfish, disgusting, cishet, white scum into a valid trans person who deserves celebration and special coddling to make up for the marginalization and oppression you supposedly now face. Now, not expected to do as much groveling and reaffirming to everyone how much you love checking your privilege, you can relax a little and talk about your life without wondering if you're distracting from the struggles or speaking over marginalized groups because you're marginalized, too. To summarize it, and you're already there, they go from hated to affirmed. This is the incentive I felt to comb through my thoughts and memories for things that might be further evidence that deep down I wasn't really a girl. I hated my body. It must be because I didn't. I don't like that it's female. Boys have never been interested in me like they are with other girls. Well, maybe I would be attractive as a boy, and then I could have be like all these cute gay trans boys I saw dating each other online. And and she goes into a fair amount of, of detail on this, and I haven't even gotten into the main point. There's so much of this. The main point? Okay. Um, and, and she gets into some of the problems of being an adolescent girl in the modern world with the, the pornography and, and girls uh, being sexualized and the rest yeah, of it. Geez. And she was afraid of becoming a woman. Like... All adolescent girls are. They're thrilled by the prospect. You see them wanting to wear makeup and, and, you know, the provocative clothing way before they ought to. They're thrilled by it and simultaneously terrified by it. And a lot of girls with all of this social stuff going on opt that, wait a minute, I'm not a girl at all. That's the answer. I'm not a girl at all. And whether they're actually, uh, you know, uh, tomboys or lesbians or whatever, they're driven toward this other answer. And uh, I hope that's illustrated a little bit of what's going on in their heads. And and if we can take a quick break, I want to come back with a piece that miraculously was posted in the Washington Post by a woman who's a software developer in Indianapolis. The title is, What I Wish I'd Known When I Was 19 and Had Sex Reassignment Surgery. Oh, boy. Okay. The fact that this is in the Washington Post speaks to the fact that sanity has clawed its way back up the hill of public conversation, having been kicked down to the bottom by the lunatic radicals, and people are starting to talk sense again. Yeah, that's a good point. A story from a young woman who, in the midst of the most troubled moments of her adolescence, was embraced and whisked along by the it's great to be transgender community and ended up becoming something she wasn't at all. She did not surgically transition. Thank God she woke up at one point and realized, look, I'm just not comfortable in my own skin. Um, I'm not comfortable with my sexuality. I'm not comfortable with being a grown woman. I need to work through these things. And then you come to this uh, a piece written by Corinna Khan, who's a software developer in Indianapolis. And, uh, and shockingly, this piece is published in the Washington Post today. It is entitled, the website is frozen. No, it's entitled, as it unfreezes, what I wished I'd known when I was 19 and had sex reassignment surgery. You know, I'm going to pose a question going into this, give you kind of a framework. What if there was a controversial medical treatment, an irreversible surgical measure Occasionally used on children and adolescents, but still very, very controversial. And every hospital in America had to decide who makes the decision on whether we're going to do this procedure. 
And every hospital in America came up with the same answer. Let's find a confused adolescent to make the decision. Oh, boy. Can you imagine that? If it was heart surgery or brain surgery or any surgery on Earth, you're going to ask a confused adolescent. But wait, it's worse than that. How about a confused adolescent, a child who is being harangued by radical activists, they're going to be in charge of deciding who gets an irreversible surgical procedure done. There's your framework. Now the words of Corinna Khan. When I was 19, I had had surgery for sex reassignment, or what is now called gender affirmation surgery. The callow young man who was obsessed with transitioning to womanhood could not have imagined reaching middle-aged. But now I'm closer to 50, keeping a watchful eye on my 401k and dieting and exercising in the hope that I'll have a healthy retirement. In terms of my priorities and interests today, that younger incarnation of myself might as well have been a different person. And yet that was the person who committed me to a lifetime set apart by my peers and from my peers. There is much debate today about transgender treatment, especially for young people. Others might feel differently about their choices, but I know now that I wasn't old enough to make that decision. Given the strong cultural forces today casting a benign light on these matters, I thought it might be helpful for young people and their parents to hear what I wish I had known. I once believed that I would be more successful finding love as a woman than as a man. But in truth, few straight men are interested in having a physical relationship with a person who was born the same sex as them. In high school, when I experienced crushes on my male classmates, I believed that the only way those feelings could be requited was if I altered my body. It turned out that several of those crushes were also gay. If I had confessed my interest, what might have developed? Also, the rampant homophobia in my school during the AIDS crisis smothered any such notions. Today, I've resigned myself to never finding a partner. It's tough to admit, but it's the healthiest thing I can do. Oof. As a teenager, I was repelled by the thought of having biological children, but in my vision of the adult future, I imagined marrying a man and adopting a child. Uh, she points out that that just absolutely didn't happen, regrets it terribly. The sacrifices I made seemed irrelevant to the teenager I was. Someone with gender dysphoria, yes, but also anxiety and depression, as always. The most severe cause of dread came from my own body. I was not prepared for puberty, not for the strong sexual drive typical for my age and sex. Surgery unshackled me from my body's urges, but the destruction of my gonads introduced a different type of bondage. From the day of my surgery, I became a medical patient and will remain one for the rest of my life. I must choose between the risks of taking exogenous estrogen, which include venous thromboembolism and stroke, or the risk of taking nothing, which includes degeneration of bone health. In either case, my risk of dementia is higher, a side effect of eschewing testosterone. What was I seeking for my sacrifice? A feeling of wholeness and perfection. I was still a virgin when I went in for surgery. I mistakenly believed that this made my choice more serious and authentic. I chose irreversible change before I'd even begun to understand my sexuality. The surgeon deemed my operation a good outcome, but intercourse never worked, never pleasurable. Where were my parents all this? I'll skip to the end. We're out of time. I shudder to think how distorting today's social media is for confused teenagers. I'm also alarmed by how readily authority figures facilitate transition. Um, Long story short, wait. If it's right for you, do it. But do it later. Wait, wait, wait. Armstrong and Getty.